Downloads of this show are available on Podomatic.com and the Podomatic mobile app. So this is the Truth to Power Show on Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm your host, BGR Nathan. The Truth to Power Show's purpose is to place a weekly guest on the proverbial meditation cushion to engage in a thoughtful conversation at the intersection of the personal and the political. Tune in for shows with um, hosts and writers, leaders and teachers, allies and practitioners. This episode, we're going to be having a call from Tahir of uh, Fana Fela, a musical group, and um, we'll be hearing from him in just a moment. Hold on. Hi, hello. Hello, can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, great, great. Hi, so, welcome, welcome. So, um, this special episode, as I was saying, is a special episode of the Truth to Power show, uh, where we're going to be speaking with Fana Fela. Uh, specifically Tahir Hussein Faridi um, Kual, who is the group leader and manager. So um, why don't I start off with a little introduction. Um, Fana Fila holds the flame of the traditional Sufi Kuali music with the blessings of their teachers, some of the greatest masters of the Kuali form in India and Pakistan. The group's founding members have spent over 20 years learning this classical art, which celebrates the great Sufi mystics of old and relishes in the love of the divine through poetry. Sung with beautiful soaring chorus and accompanied with the energetic rhythms of tabla and group clapping, the beloved is celebrated with ecstatic devotion. That's really a really great um, text that really I think captures the, uh, the the spirit of the music as I listened to it for these past this past month or so. I know we'd spoken about a month or two ago um, about setting up the interview, and I've been listening to the music, and uh, it's been very moving, a very moving. Um, uh, music ha- your your group has um, and does, and so why don't we start off with just talking a little bit about the form and how uh, and how you came into it. Uh, according to your website, you started the group and we the group was started in two thousand one. Is that correct? Yeah, that's when we first um, created the group Fanafiella, two thousand one. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about the circumstances around the formation of the group and. Uh, yeah, if you could tell a little story about how it started. Well, we were all still like in our late teens then, um, and the members had all crossed paths in different countries, you know, on their spiritual and musical quests, mostly seeing each other in India mm-hmm. for years. And um, yeah, we just shared that in common, that interest in in classical and devotional music as well as, you know, the, the verses of the Sufi saints and mm-hmm. poets that had touched us and inspired us. And, uh, yeah, the group all had heard Koali to different extents growing up just through their searches into world music and spiritual music. And, um, yeah, of course, Nusrat Fateh Ali Khan and Abida Parveen and the Sabri brothers had all been on our playlists. Wow. On our cassette yeah. boxes back then, yeah, and yeah, so we just decided to um to form the group and and start um practicing some of the songs that I had learned in India, and so, yeah, it was it was a wonderful experience. So these songs are traditional songs that have been passed down through this tradition, or how how and what degree are you innovating or are you changing them, or what's the extent of which you're in- incorporating new materials, or I don't know. Yeah, tell us a little bit about that process. Yeah, they're all traditional songs. Uh-huh. The arrangement, you know, there's the quality development, the quality arrangement, and um, 
a lot of the poems especially have been passed down for hundreds of years by the, you know, created by the great masters like uh, Abdurrahman Jami and Hazrat Amir Kusro and Baba Bulle Shah and Shah Hussein and Sultan Bahu. And then the melodies have been built upon generation upon generation by the great musicians and the great koals. So in that same way, you know, we sing them the way that we were taught and then add different parts to add different pieces of poetry, sometimes develop them a little different. And then there's always a lot of impulsive improvisation, which keeps it fresh, as is the genre of koali. Yeah, I mean, I know um, a little bit about the tradition just from having grown up with uh, immigrant parents from India, and uh, just a very minimal amount, just to know. Uh, I know a lot of the um, music is sometimes call and response. Is that accurate? Would you say that the singers like give a call out and then the audience responds, or is that how it developed, or is that incorporated in it all in your performances, or like with, with the audience will sing along or sing sing a response to your? Um, if you tell more of the structure, yeah. The structure of the of the um, you're talking a little bit about the traditional structure. You can talk a little bit more about the structure of the of the uh, quality. Yeah, yeah. yeah k- kirtan is the music that's call and response. Oh, okay, yeah. Sorry. And that's like a simpler genre. Quality uh-huh. is different in the sense that the group is divided into two sides, with the tabla player in the middle, one harmonium on each side, uh, keeping the melodic bass um, there for reference mm-hmm. and then the chorus is kind of passed back between the two sides, the two pods you could say, and then people improvise off of that chorus so it's not directly call and response oh, like okay. a verse will be presented by the the leader, which is me in this case, and then the, the other members will um, sing that chorus and repeat it and will develop on the, on the chorus with different kinds of improvisation, and then the leader will, will present another verse or another piece of poetry, and in the same way it gets built on like that. Yeah, and I understand from having listened to it that it's an expression of devotion, but if you, if you can talk a little bit about its relationship to, you talked a little bit about the uh, traditional verses being passed down for many centuries and many generations, but, um, you know, a little bit in the content about how, um, you know, the devotional aspects of it to um, uh, uh, you know the faith, and just if you talk a little bit about kind of how uh, Sufism relates to Islam, and and you know and a little bit about the the relationship of devotion, the, the role of devotion in this uh, in the lyrics. Yeah, it's quite a, bo- a broad spectrum as yeah. far as like subject matter and intention, but you know the essence of Sufism is is ishq, is divine love. So that's why it's considered devotional. While it's not um, people singing for entertainment or singing about their own personal um, issues in life, mm. it's um, yeah expressed as this like overflowing ishq, this overflowing love and gratitude and yearning and longing to connect with the beloved, with the essence of existence with God. And so a lot of the poems are directed in this way towards the beloved you know like the poetry of Rumi or Hafez and then there's also because the lineage of Sufism in the subcontinent is almost a thousand years old now there's a lot of koalis called Mankabat which are in praise of the Sufi masters 
and devotional in that way, so devotional to these particular masters, the way they lived and what they taught and what they shared and how they helped guide humanity. And then there's the more religious qawalis and praise of the king of Sufis, Hazrat Ali, the prophet Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and then of course Hamd in praise of God, um, God the formless, God the creator, God the, the ultimate destination of, of, of the seeker. Yeah, it's so interesting when I think about I, I the um, one writer I'd explored, I'd read a little bit from uh, Orhan Pamuk, um, was brought me into that world of um, a little bit into the world through art. You know, he had written a book called um, um, I'm trying to remember the name now. The uh, is a book about art uh, in, in in Turkey, and uh, he talked about the masters in art and and how. Um, uh, you know the, the 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 refutation of the Western idea of individuality, and you know that the idea that in West in the West we have a lot of we sit with a lot of this idea that everyone has to be their own unique individual, and you know and this idea this contesting idea in the Eastern traditions and specifically in Islam and, and Sufism, where there you're, you're uh, one of the phrases in one of the um, CDs that I noticed was the term annihilation into the infinite, which seems to be that not self or that uh, refutation of the self, the individual self. But uh, if you talk a little bit about kind of a little bit more into the into that particular phrasing, annihilation into the infinite, and how um, that is kind of one of the major, what I understand to be one of the major images of uh, what you're expressing in the past few minutes. Yeah. Yeah, it's like more or less the destination for all mystics of all traditions. Uh-huh. But that term is commonly used. Fanafiyala, the name of our group. Um, in Sufism as kind of like what they, in Hinduism they have Moksha and the Buddhists have Nirvana, Taoists yeah. have Tao or Wu Wei in Zen. It's that um, experience of of being united with, with all and losing that concept of being a separate unit at least momentarily. So that's what we strive for. And when you know, people are singing in this power of devotion in unison. That experience you know, captivates us, and it captivates the listener. And this is Sama. This is the sacred gathering of the Sufis that's been passed down to us. I think, personally speaking, you know, we are individual, and we are all uh, united too—not just humanity, like all of existence. And that that flux, that phase between the two, is part of. Um, the experience of existence. Sometimes we're asserting our will as an individual to achieve something, and at other times we're surrendering into that state of, you know, um, it's a magical state, it's a mystical state of of not knowing, but it's a, a state of feeling united in that the the one implies the other, and the two are sometimes two, and the two are also implicitly one, ultimately so yeah, this is that journey of the mystic. So beautiful, so beautiful. I think that when when, when the listeners and when people start to really explore this, and we've explored a little bit of this in some of our previous episodes um, about the ideas of um, you know losing oneself and also and also keeping one's dharma, keeping one's right action in in circumstances. You know, in, in my understanding, you know, upholding the um, the values that these. Um, the upholding values in, in specific circumstances for the, the important role of the individual, it seems to me. 
Um, and you can comment a little bit on that if you'd like uh, about how when you're talking about individuality and and the collective and, and this kind of merging with the ultimate. But, you know, in our role, we're playing in this in society. We seem to be kind of upholding or um, upkeeping the, the, the power of that of these masters, you know. What, yeah, what, what like would you a, say about that? Yeah. yeah, there's a dharma, there's like okay, um ethical system in all these different religions and spiritual paths. And at the same time, it depends on the different phases. So each, like say, for example, <clears throat> in Sufism, there's not one particular scripture or belief system, mm-hmm. but the, the peer, the murshid, the master, the guru guides the the student towards that union. And for each student, it's different. So the, um, the master has to forge a unique key for every seeker to find his way back to that realization, that ultimate realization. And there's always, like you said, there's been, there's a different kind of debates in the religious world about that because a lot of the Sufi masters, their writings speak from a place of, of unity speak from a place of divine revelation and so they speak of of being one with the divine or then at other times when they're longing and they're seeking and they're yearning for the beloved it's that that expression of of duality of of separation of yearning to be one again so it passes between those two phases and i think anybody that's deeply practicing a dharma or religion, whether it's Islam or Christianity or anything, that sees these kind of writings or reads them or hears the words of the poets, it's important to understand that they're expressed from different states. And like I said before, life is a flux. Sometimes there's a sense of pain, a sense of longing, a sense of fear, and then other times it seems like there was never a moment when we were actually separated from the beloved or separated from the ground of existence. So in Sufism, we see this a lot, the different phases, the different um, maqams, the different stages of realization, the different stages of separation and unity. Yeah, it's so, it's so amazing. This is such a vast and um, intriguing area of, of exploration and um, trying to understand where one, one oneself is on this journey and how where one has to go in order to achieve you know the different things and just listening to, for me at least my experience of listening to this music uh has been kind of really a deep a deeper understanding of like you know um the uh mystical aspects because i think music really conveys things that that you know take volumes and volumes to uh express in uh in words but uh, although it does use really the, the, the actual harmonium rhythm and the double rhythm really invokes in the body you know a real response um, and one, one aspect of the group that I wanted to bring out is uh, also how, they, how the group members have been, um, you know, breaking social barriers and, and bringing intercultural bridges. So we could transition a little bit into kind of the, the different group members and how uh, I was reading a little bit in the, the timeline, uh, Milestones in the Journey of Fanafila, about all the different challenging social barriers and all these kinds of aspects of the group. So you could talk a little bit about the group as a whole. Yeah, we've all come from such um, diverse places to be together, and we, you know, polarize each other in different ways, like any music group. 
and we you know have the different um, characteristics making us like puzzle pieces that fit together and make mm-hmm. harmony happen. It's all quite a mystery, but the most obvious one is you know that our group is like the first and only like Western Kawali group, you know people that weren't that didn't grow up in the subcontinent but have come from uh, Canada and America originally. And then the other being that Amina, our tabla player for 20 years, um, is a woman. And in the Kawali field, it's just totally unheard of at this up to this point. Um, it hasn't been the woman's position. It's always like a male group when it comes to Kawali. But she just had that, that deep passion to learn and Nusrat Fatih Ali Khan's tabla player, Ustad Dildar Hussain, took her on as a student almost 20 years now in Pakistan. So that's that's definitely a big deal. And I think it's empowering um, more women to be able to tune into this genre, both spiritually and musically, and then also that we are kind of young and hip and this and that. When we go to Pakistan and tour every year, it's really inspiring to the youth to return to that culture and see it from a new light. Mm. And there's a lot of elements like this that are interesting, but in any, you know, as the history of Sufism goes, there's always been things that challenge cultural norms and and cultural taboos. It's just the way it goes with the development of, of mystical paths. Yeah, I mean, I want to go a little bit into, you started a little bit into this about the response from, from, your, from the audiences and the connections you've made in intercultural Bridges, uh, you've gone all over, not just in Pakistan, but all over the world. Uh, you're doing a tour, uh, which will include California now, next coming up, I believe. Uh, so those listeners in California, they can check out your, your tour dates and um, in California. And then you'll be coming to New York at the end of August, I believe. Um, so if you talk a little bit about just your process, of the, the, how it's kind of honed your abilities and, and continued your journey in performing to various different crowds and and how they've responded, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, um, yeah, we basically continued performing since that first performance back in 2001, about monthly back then. And But the, the main focus has always been the study of the music, meaning like daily practice and, um, you know, working on compositions, poetry, and being with our masters as much as we can to learn new things as we progress. Um, we spend about half the year touring the Americas, Canada, and the U.S. in the summertime. Like this year, we have 35 shows across America. And, um, you know, in that time, we pop out. Like, we, we were just performing through Russia a couple weeks ago, Moscow and such. And then we'll be heading over to Beijing in a bit for a short outing. But basically, in this period, yeah, we're touring all across America. And then in the winter season were based in the east so like for example last year we did like uh, North Africa Indonesia uh, Australia New Zealand uh, Pakistan India places like that so we try to divide it up you know in America there's just a lot of populace and a lot of cities so the opportunities for artists here is pretty 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 wonderful so yeah. in that way we yeah we keep playing and the audiences are mixed um for the most part, we play for Pakistani and Indian communities since there's not locally touring Kowali groups in this country. Mm-hmm. And, um, 
yeah, the other half is like, you know, world music festivals or like a yoga community, world music loving people's art um, series is this kind of thing. And most of the shows, you know, the public shows are about a half and half kind of thing, which is a really lovely way of seeing the Pakistani, Indian, Afghani, Fiji and all that community, you know, out there enjoying Kawali vigorously along with, uh, you know, people from the West. So it's been a beautiful bridge to connect these two social realms. Yeah, and I understand on your website that you're going to be doing uh, uh, your funding, your crowdsourcing for a um, special film, Music from the Mystics. Can you talk a little bit about the film and what it's going to be having, what it's going to be having in it, and, and the journey towards making this film? It seems like, from what I can tell, it's a very important film, I think, to understand for the for the people who may not be aware of a lot of these things or uh, to kind of learn a little bit more about quality and the tradition, and, 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 and you're interviewing many uh, masters, um, so you can talk a little bit about the film Music from the Mystics. Yeah, Kowali Music of the Mystics. It's the first comprehensive film on the Kowali tradition. Uh, up until now, there's been a couple like short docos and two lovely documentaries on Nusrat Fateli Khan, but the tradition is much bigger as we've experienced. Um, so, yeah, the film spans across India and Pakistan where we've interviewed 35 of the best and our favorite uh, Sufi artists, mostly in the Kawali genre, as well as like different Sufi mystics. And we filmed at all the major shrines, the dargahs. These are the, the places where Kawali is traditionally um, sung. So the film really goes deep into the, you know, the full tradition and there's varying views from the different um, charismatic speakers. And these people are, are amazing, these these artists and musicians and the locations are amazing. So it's it's quite an artfully designed film. And um, yeah, more recently people have asked us to include more of our journey in the film, which wasn't the original intention, but since we have such a crazy and kooky story of coming from the West and learning this music that has actually you know, brought us in contact with all these sacred shrines, gatherings, and masters, there's a little bit of that element too. It follows our journey of learning this music and developing in it. Um, yeah, the film is just sitting on my table right here. It's oh, good, in good. the final editing phases. But yeah. Um, yeah, we're waiting for that last bit of funding to come in through GoFundMe. Yeah, Kowali Music of the Mystics. There's about eight short films that I've already published from the film mm -hmm. just to create some interest and start to share what we're going to share in a big way this fall. Um, so have a look at it. Yeah, Kowali Music of the Mystics. Good, good. And um, yes, yeah, so from your website also, you talked a little bit about um, all the different. There's so many different things to explore in, in this uh, um, timeline as well that you had there. Um, all the different the the um, places that you performed in some very sacred sites um, that have uh, included the um, uh, which one was it? Let's see. Journey to the pyramids, uh, Great Pyramids of Egypt. You went to. Uh, the um, you know in Egypt, and you mentioned a lot of different countries. But what was it like to to go to these places and through the pyramids? And you also had the the uh, tomb. I think there was a tomb, uh, um, specific Sufi uh, burial sites that you visited. That was very uh, important. And uh, you talk a little bit about kind of these sacred sites and how you um, how the, how the importance of bringing these these music to this this areas. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, like I was saying earlier, it's the Dargah. Dargah is like a, um, a Sufi shrine when a, a master passes on his students and followers over generations, build these beautiful mausoleums. Yeah. And these are the places for people to come and pray at the uh, masjid. There's the, the shrine, the tomb itself, where people come and offer their respects, prayers, flowers, incense. People come from all walks of life, all different genders and castes and creeds. And Kawali is really the soundscape of these places between um, namaz, between prayer. And so it's always inspired us the most, this original and traditional roots atmosphere of Kowali, where there's no microphones, there's no ticket sales people. Yeah. <laughs> just come and listen to the Kowali group sing. And at these major ones, like you were referring to, like the tomb, the Dargah, Baba Farid, Shakar Ganj, and Datta Ganj Bakshan, Lahore, and Khajamun and Chishti and Ajmir, these places we attend every year to offer our Hasdi, offer our prayers through our music. It's been an important way to stay connected to the original roots of this tradition. And, you know, we do tour and play in all these theaters where there's box offices and promotion and all that stuff. And that's important for continuing the tradition and continuing the opportunity for us to be completely immersed in it. But our favorite and the most important is returning to those shrines to offer our music to the people that, you know, know the poetry, know the master, have all these sentimental and spiritual connections to these stories of these masters and the music itself and then when we're playing diverse places like in Indonesia Africa all these like you were saying we had the pyramids recently we were just playing in Moscow like these are very different places but like you said the music is very powerful in itself it's it's the most universal form of communication and expression that everybody can relate to so yeah people feel the music deeply even if they don't understand the lyrics Though we do give an explanation of the lyrics as much as we can within a performance time. Yeah, people feel it and people love it uh, pretty much every time. Yeah, there's a lot of a lot of um, testimonials and expressions from the audience members that they feel really moved and touched. And yeah, they feel like they're in a different state of consciousness after hearing us or while hearing us. So it makes it very yeah, gratifying and really special to be a carrier of this tradition. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I struggle a lot. We were talking a little bit about this, about, you know, kind of, you know, with the um, the struggle with, you know, understanding how to let go and, and, and feel oneself as being, you know, the individuality and the, and the, and the, the feeling of connection with the, with the whole. Um, and all these fears in, 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 in Western culture, these I've, I've experienced about, you know, we have this idea of like assimilation versus, you know, um, uh, individuality and, and all these fears about like subsuming, but it seems like there's a very deep connection. When, when we're connected to the whole, there's no, there's a fearlessness that comes through there. The power, the power of um, the the love, the love I think is so important. The power of love and the power of that that um, divine love that can uh, overcome one's fear of of death or or of destruction of self destruction. So um, a little bit in the philosophical aspects of kind of how. This journey towards um, this goal is such is so um, challenging. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool that you're interested in that. Yeah, it's both challenging and not challenging. Yeah, the challenging is bit, bit is kind of what 
what um, fuels us to do what we do, you know, to to break through and, and try new things and open up to these experiences. Just like, you know, boredom is is the opposite side of inspiration, so it propels us towards, um, yeah, yeah, experiencing newness and being brave. Uh, the, um, you know, there's like a an unspoken understanding amongst my group members that we do this because we have that experience of fun, of like ultimate union. And, you know, there's times when, you know, we're on tour on these long flights or don't have time to get food or have to do a sound check. There's a lot of yeah. practical elements that make it rigorous touring so much. And, you know, we question, no, oh, this is really tough to be an artist. You never know what's going to happen. It's not very secure. But um, the experience of, of being inside of these kalams, inside of these sacred pieces of of devotion and music, you know, always just keep reaffirming it again and again. Mm. So it's an interesting flex there. But yeah, it it happens, and it's the it's the audience as well as the musicians that that come to that place, and it's less of like an intention of like, okay, now we got to get out of our egos and drop into this whole another plane. Let's do it now. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just the we just trust that the the songs themselves and the poetry and the whole dynamic of this sacred music, it just does it on its own, really. Once you, you hear all these elements together, it automatically, you feel like, you feel lifted into a different state of awareness. Great, great. Thanks so much. And I think this is definitely, as we begin to wrap up, I'll say that, um, you know, the themes of the show has always been about you know, finding that truth, that power truth, and, and, and discovering our power through truth and through this universal truth, through this human truth, through this um, this powerful connection, connectivity to the whole. And that's something I'm very interested in. I think that listeners will find very um, enriching to hear you talk about that and listen to the music. We'll, we'll take some time to listen to the music, and, and uh, I may do some readings uh, from different uh, um, sources. So we'll, we'll be in touch and... Um, thank you so much. So if you have any closing thoughts or if you have any closing sentiments to the audience to um, kind of in, in approaching the music and, and, and how to fully get, a, get an experience so they come to the, to the shows, how to really, you know, for people who may not speak the language, you were, you were talking a little bit about that, but um, talk a little bit about kind of how, what the best approach is when, when going to a concert. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, VJ. It's, yeah, I do encourage anybody to explore this music, even if it just sounds a little bit intriguing in its live sense. It's a very live and animated music, mm. and the audience is definitely very live and animated. It's not like the sit-down-and-stare kind of thing, although yeah. some people do. <laughs> um, so so anybody that has that's listening to this program and has that interest in, in culture and mystic tradition and classical music of the subcontinent, I really encourage you to come and experience this because it's something that's very rare in the West. And when we first went to Pakistan, India, and were exposed to it in its live living element, it was very impressive and very transformative, a nice um, counter to the uh, materialism in our society here in the West. So, yeah, I do encourage to check it out. Um, the best way to see our tour schedule is just to go to um, uh, fana-tix.com. That's F-A-N-N-A-T-I-X.com. And you can mm. see our full 
international national tour schedule there. Good, good. Thanks so much. Thank you for being here for this uh, interview. And um, I'll be uh, talking a little bit more and playing some of your music. And then, uh, and then we'll, we'll, I'll do a little bit, talk a little bit more for, for, the, for the listeners. Thanks so much. Yeah, pleasure. Thank you, Vijay. Thank you. This ends the interview portion of the Truth to Power show on Radio for Brooklyn. Radio for Brooklyn is a 501c3 nonprofit organization whose mission is to provide a free and open platform to our community and promote media literacy, education, and free expression. We rely primarily on donations from listeners like you, so if you'd like to support our mission so we can continue to bring you quality community radio, we invite you to make a one-time donation or monthly pledge at radioforbrooklyn.org backslash donate. You can donate as little as a dollar, and every cent helps to um, continue uh, to keep us on air. So please keep um, so please help support independent community radio by pledging whatever you can afford. And remember that RFB is a five hundred one c three nonprofit, so your contribution is tax deductible to the full extent of the law. Again, that's readyforbrooklyn.org backslash donate. Um, also, did you know that Radio for Brooklyn has a free iPhone and Android app? You no longer need to change your computer to listen. Just uh, download the Radio for Brooklyn app from your uh, app store on Google Play or um, the iPhone app by going to radioforbrooklyn.org backslash iPhone. And Android app is available at radioforbrooklyn.org backslash Android. So download the app today and uh, listen to RFB wherever you are. Finally, um, are you subscribed to the RFB newsletter, Radio Free Brooklyn? Uh, every month we'll send you the latest news about new programming and upcoming RFB events, as well as interviews, ticket giveaways, special offers on RFB swag, and more. The emails come only once a month because we're committed to a spam-free world. You can sign up at readyforbrooklyn.org backslash newsletter. Now I'll be listening to uh, an excerpt from the preview of Music of the Mystics, the film, wherein uh, you can find this on YouTube so that then uh, if you'd like to get any of the translations of some of the interview portions, they have that translated on the YouTube um, uh, Music of the Mystics uh, trailer. Thank you. Please enjoy the trailer. Thank you. Everything which has been created is created on duality. If there is something outwardly, there should be something inwardly. Sufism is actually to be able to see the unity behind this apparent multiplicity. And that is the foundation of Islam. La ilaha illallah. Right? Wali is one of the most important uh, practice of the Chishtu Sufi order and uh, we have heard and experienced it also uh, from our elders that uh, Sima is uh, the food for the soul so the Kavali is the spiritual dimension of Islam. When we talk about Islam, the outward conduct of 
of a Muslim is what we call as a Sharia, the guidelines laid by uh, the Islamic jurisprudence, that how Muslims should behave in this world, how should he interact with, with the atmosphere, with the environment, and whatever is present here on this earth. But whatever you relate to, it implies or it refers to a person who is on this inner journey of, if you like to say, of purification. And why that purification? Because you want to go nearer and nearer and closer and closer to your beloved. And who is your beloved? Your beloved is the beloved of beloved. He is your creator and he is your beloved. tradition and particularly in the chishtis, even the qadris and the chishtis often say you know my my feed my own worship is to say that so that you know the sharia prayer is the formal ritual prayer five times a day but for the chishtis the kamali is the prayer of the tariqa of the you know of the mystic tradition पाकिस्तान में समा ज्यादा इसलिए है कि यहाँ बुजुर्गों के दरबार बहुत हैं कुछ ऐसे दरबार हैं जिन पे कवाली होती है कुछ ऐसे दरबार हैं जिन में कवाली नहीं होती लेकिन ज्यादा अक्सरियत जो है बुजुर्गों की वो महफिल समा की तरफ है हम जब भी बुजुर्गों का कोई भी कलाम गाते हैं तो उसकी कैफियत अगर होती है तो उसमें बुजुर्गों की दुआ भी होती है और बरकत भी होती है इट नर्चर्स द सोल इट्स फूड फॉर योर सोल एंड इट डस ट्रांसपोर्ट यू इनटू अ डिफरेंट रीम इफ यू डू इट इन द प्रॉपर कंडीशंस दैट आर प्रिस्क्राइब्ड फॉर समर 
there's a great level of consciousness. It, you have to be very awake to be performing the koali music, so therefore takes you out of uh, maybe a conditioned state of mind. So the sima, or the Sufi music, is playing a crucial role to connect the hearts. And in Tasawwuf, or the Sufism, or the Sufi, it means the person who connects a heart to heart, heart to heart counseling, where mind becomes zero and heart becomes active. We are talking about not only the music or the instruments, we are talking about that wisdom and we are talking about the principles of the nature on which our whole planet and even this universe is formed. So the music and the melody is there in the, in the air, in, in the structure, in the formation of every object. So just for the uh, mere understanding, people limited to the instruments and the composition and the lyrics. But this is the person who is singing. This is the voice of the heart. And you have experienced yourself that at many places, at, at many concerts, you have performed. And people who are sitting there for the first time attending any live session of Kavali, and they do not know the lyrics, the music, and the tone, and the melody is totally alien to them. But even then, sometimes they would just stand up and they would start thrilling. تعلیم کا کوئی فارمیٹ نہیں ہے ہم ہمارے استاد لوگ ہمارے بزرگ لوگ ان کو سن سن کے سیکھتے ہیں اور میری تعلیم میرے ابا جان سے اسٹارٹ ہوئی میرے ابا جان نے میرے کو بچپن سے ساتھ میں رکھا اور یہ جو گانا ہے اس کو سکھایا میرے کو کوالی از اے پیس میوزک ایکچولی اینڈ کوالی کو میں یہ کہوں گا کہ کوالی جو ہے وہ گلدستہ ہے اور گلدستہ ہر گائے کی جیسے کلاسیکل ہے یا فوک ہے یا لوک ہے وہ اپنی اپنی طرز میں ایک پھول ہے ان پھولوں کو اگر آپ اکٹھا کر دیں گے تو ایک گلدستہ بنے گا وہ جو سارے پھولوں کو ایک واز بنا لیں گے آپ جو صوفی موسیقی ہے جہاں پہ میوزک ختم ہوتا ہے وہاں سے تصوف شروع ہوتا ہے کیونکہ جو تصوف ہے وہ خدا کا درد ہے اور خدا کے درد کو آلاپنا جو ہے وہ اولیا نہیں آلاپا ہے کہ وہ اپنے درد کے ذریعے سے منتقل ہوا یعنی دل میں اور روح میں اٹس ناٹ آف کریٹنگ سم تھنگ نیو ان آر لائف اور چینجنگ ان دا سم تھنگ ڈفرینٹ کریٹنگ سم تھنگ ڈفرینٹ فار آر سیلس اٹس اے جرنی آف 
dissolving these blockages of a perfection that is already ever-present, like taking the rocks out from a stream so that it can flow naturally, perfectly, and beautifully. gone changed my soul changed their perspective in that is the god so it has power to bring people to the soul towards the soul towards the god it has it has been designed in this सिलसिला ही दुआ का है ये लग जाए पीर की लग जाए माँ की लग जाए दुआ उस्ताद की लग जाए ये तीन रिश्ते रिश्ते जो हैं मुकद्दस होते हैं ये इस दुआ की रुकावट में ये सीधी दुआ जो है वो ऊपर जाती है और कभी 